Hey, we want to thank you for listening today to a sermon from Edwards Lake Church. And we hope that you recognize the message of God as we open his word together and examine his incredible life-changing teaching. We pray that this message will challenge you, motivate you, or touch you in some way. Let's open the Bible together. Uh, today we're going to do a uh, what I call a question and answer sermon. Uh, oftentimes I will receive questions or, hey, can you preach on this topic uh, type request. And over the past year, I've not really done many of those because we've been separated. And when we have been together, it's, uh, there have been other things to discuss. Uh, but we're going to try to get back into doing some of those this year. Uh, some of the topics I have on my list right now are a sermon on hell, a sermon on heaven, a, a sermon or series, because I don't know how I would do this in one sermon, on how to have confidence in your salvation or in your inheritance as a Christian who believes in baptism and that you can fall away uh, the way that we believe. So those are some of the topics we have on our list. I have one that was given to me back when I first moved here that I still haven't covered, but plan to cover this year, which is how to talk to a neighbor or a friend who has chosen an alternative lifestyle uh, and talk about some of those topics. But today's topic is probably one that's a, a little less controversial, I think, for those in the world, but probably a little more controversial for us who have grown up with the heritage in which we have grown up, which is, to whom should we pray? Uh, I remember when I first came across this particular question. It was something I had never really thought about, but uh, my brother was having this discussion with the father of his girlfriend at the time. Uh, and, and he was of such a strong opinion on this that you should only pray to the father that he would not sing a song that was directed to Jesus. Uh, he, would not, he would only sing songs that were just teaching songs to one another or maybe a, a prayer to the father because we do have a lot of songs that we sing that are directed toward Jesus. Uh, I, I, at that time, I was in high school. It wasn't something that I really knew enough about or even thought about that I really even studied it. But then I was challenged with it again as a college student. And I went into trying to defend my point of view on the particular issue. And of course, it was in disagreement with my friend that I was discussing it with. Uh, and it got kind of heated, uh, to be honest. Um, I, I like to say more her than me, but I, I can't, you know, I, I'm not sure that that's really accurate. Uh, but it, it was quite a discussion. And, and I have since then, in my years of preaching, come across this question multiple times. And it is typically in a very heated argument. That there are some who believe you can only pray to the Father, and then there are some who believe that the, the idea of praying only to the Father is, is a bit staunch, is a bit strict. What does the Bible say about it? Uh, by the way, I have not gotten that kind of strong feeling here. It was just a question that was brought up to me, but I thought it would be something for us to look at together. It really is a question we probably should have an answer for, but it is probably a question that we should treat uh, with a little bit of uh, liberty. 
Um, we should strive to be unified on every issue, every topic that we discuss. But there are a lot of topics in which the Bible are clear, and there's a very easy, clear point to this book, chapter, verse, answer that we can look at. And then there are others that are, that are a bit unclear. Uh, they're less specific. They are less book, chapter, and verse. They are oftentimes more interpretation-based than they are what is clearly stated in Scripture. And so you, in any of these issues, you have to sit down and decide, is this an issue that is so clear we should have a strong and definitive position on it because our goal is to please God. And if God is clear on something, we should believe exactly the way God teaches on it. Or is it one of those issues in which we need to be maybe a little more liberty-minded, a little more freedom-minded? Well, this issue becomes kind of a hot-button issue because we have so many songs. Uh, oftentimes, the occasions on which I hear this question arise aren't because of the songs we sing. It's because we've let a young man get up and lead a prayer, and he prays to Jesus. And that grates against some people going, that's not the way I pray. Or it might be that we've let a, 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 you know, a, an older man, but he comes from a background in which that was more uh, understood to be the, the regular, the, the norm, and, and then it grates against somebody, and they, they start kind of ruffling their feathers. And I've seen young men excluded from the prayer roster, not talked to, just excluded because we don't like the way they pray. Was there a biblical basis on which to draw that conclusion? If there is, we need to do some editing in our songbooks. One of my favorite songs is Jesus, Draw Me Ever Nearer. Don't you love that song? It is a prayer to Jesus. Or Jesus, hold my hand to use one of the older you know, oldie goldies, as I call them. Jesus, hold my hand. I grew up singing that song. I loved it because it was fast and upbeat. But it's a prayer to Jesus. Or, or my Jesus, I love thee. We've, we've sang that here. And if that's not hard enough to decipher through, we even have songs that address the Spirit directly. Father, I adore you. Jesus, I adore you. Spirit, I adore you. We sing these songs of prayer, yet sometimes some of us get our feathers ruffled and the hair stands up on our, on our necks when we hear someone verbalize a prayer to Jesus. And if maybe if you're not one of those, imagine if somebody got up and they prayed to the Spirit. I would imagine the elders would hear some, some talk about that. Why can we sing it but not say it? 
There, there has to be some consistency here, and maybe the best way to answer this question is to dig into what does the Bible say should be our opinion. Well, we know without any struggle whatsoever that we should be praying to the Father. Okay, Luke chapter 11, verse 2 through 4, Jesus said to his disciples, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation. Matthew chapter 6, Richard read for us already so well. And the same model prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples begins with, Father, hallowed be your name. That's exactly the words that, that Gibson prayed earlier. Father, hallowed be your name. Your name be treated as holy, as set apart, as special, as something greater than the ordinary. We should be praying to the Father. We read over in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, that very familiar passage about confessing your sins. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I throw this verse in there because I would imagine nearly every single one of us in here assumes who he is. We assume that means the Father. That if we will pray, if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. But is that accurate? If you look here in the, in the context, you have both God and Jesus spoken about. Back in verse 5, God is light in him. There is absolutely no darkness. If we say we have fellowship with him, which I think here is very easy to understand as the Father, a God, if we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we're lying and not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and truth's not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us. By grammatical rules, the he very well might be Jesus. Because the antecedent, to use the grammatical rules, typically in Greek, goes back to the most recent mentioned person. And God is mentioned back in verse 5, but Jesus, his son, is mentioned in verse 7. So when you get to verse 9, the logical conclusion is that he refers to the most recent mentioned person, which would be Jesus, his son. Most of us probably have concluded that that's probably speaking of the Father. Well, what about all those verses, Adam, that say, pray to the Father through Jesus Christ, the Son? Well, let's look at a few of those. I, I skipped over John 15. Turn over to John 15, and we'll look at verse 16. John 15, verse 16. 
Here, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. And so here, Jesus says specifically, ask the Father in the name of Jesus. You look over in chapter 16, verse 23. Chapter 16, verse 23. In that day you will not ask me anything. Truly, I tell you, anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. So again, we've got the idea of asking the Father in the name of Jesus. And that's what you will do in the future. But look with me back in chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 13. John 14, verse 13 says this. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So again, you have the ask in my name. So who are we asking? I think the assumption is the Father in the name of Jesus. But look at verse 14. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I think sometimes our assumption is if we are asking in the name of Jesus, then that means we're asking the Father in the name of Jesus. But is that necessarily true according to Scripture? No. I mean, here Jesus says you can ask Jesus in Jesus' name. And Jesus will do what it is you've asked of him. We keep building the case here. There are a lot of examples. Even after the time of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, he's ascended into heaven. And then you've got stories like Stephen who prayed directly to Jesus in Acts chapter 7 and verse 59. Uh, Acts chapter 7 verse 59, that story where Stephen has been stoned for preaching truth. He's been stoned for recounting the story of the Israelites and how it points to Jesus. And you see the, the people get mad at him and they drag him out of the city and they start throwing stones at him. And he says there in verse 56, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. They yelled at the top of their voices, covered their ears, and together they rushed against him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus Receive my spirit. Who's he praying to? Is there any confusion here about who Stephen is talking to? Acts chapter 9, verse 6. Acts chapter 9, verse 6. We're told that Paul couldn't, uh, excuse me, uh, back in in verse 5. Who are you, Lord? Saul said. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting? Is there any confusion about who Paul is speaking to here on the road to Damascus? 
You look over in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 20. Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. And that long revealing of a heavenly realm that, that God gives to John the Apostle. You have this conversation at the very end of the book, starting in verse 18. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share from the tree of life and the holy city, which are written about in this book. He who testifies about these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Who does John speak to here? Jesus. Now, the argument that gets made from those of the, who want to say that you only pray to the Father is that in all three of these occasions, there are special circumstances that exist. Stephen is having a glimpse into the throne room of God. You've got Paul who is having a conversation with Jesus whom Jesus has spoken to first. And then you've got John who is given a special revelation which he's writing and he's having an ex a special experience that gives him the ability to speak to Jesus. The problem is these aren't the only cases. Look with me over in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Paul's letter to the Romans here includes this. Verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. People who call on the name of Jesus. Acts twenty-two sixteen. 16. Same thing. Paul, when he is being... Uh, shown the way of the gospel by Ananias. He says, what should I do? Ananias says, why are you delaying? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1 and 2, talked about Christians who have called on the name of Jesus. What does that expression mean? We give all sorts of explanations, but what it means verbatim is people who call out the name of Jesus. People who, who show their reliance on Jesus. People who confess the name of Jesus. And it's described as those who speak out to Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You've got another story here of Paul. He says concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. So if the one speaking to Paul says, my power is displayed through your weakness, and then Paul identifies that as Christ's power, to whom was Paul speaking? It would have had to have been Jesus. Paul blesses people through Jesus. He calls out on Jesus to be a blessing to people. 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11 through 14. We are commanded to honor Jesus as we honor the Father. 
John chapter 5, verse 23, Jesus makes this very clear. John chapter 5, verse 23. Here it says, so that all people may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Now, if you've turned nowhere else with me, I want you to turn with me to Hebrews 4. Hebrews chapter 4. I know we've been looking at a lot of verses this morning and going really fast. I, I am aware of that. I'm sorry about that. Again, all of this stuff will, will be on the website if you want to go back and review some of it. Or I don't mind sending the list of verses to you later. But I do want you to look with me at Hebrews chapter 4. This one and the next passage I think are, are clinchers for, for what we should be doing as Christians. Hebrews chapter 4, I want to start reading in verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, he's identified, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Now, this passage does not identify whose throne. But by context, we are dealing with the one who is a high priest, who we know, based on prophecy, is the king, that that, high, that kingly high priest is able to offer to us sympathy and mercy because he has experienced all the things that we have experienced. And if that's the one we're talking about, the one who is capable of extending mercy because of his understanding, and then it tells us, go to that throne so that you may receive mercy and grace during the time of need, it is not a stretch at all to say that that throne we're approaching is the throne of the one who extends mercy mercy. Jesus, the Son of God. We are told, if that is the right understanding of that passage, to approach his throne for mercy. We are told that we should come to his throne for mercy. And in case that's not clear enough, turn with me over to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John 5. First John 5, I want to start in verse 13 down through verse 15. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. That will take us to another sermon series that I mentioned earlier. So hold on to that verse for a later sermon. Keep reading with me. This 
is the confidence we have before him. Who is him? Him has to be the antecedent, the son of God we just mentioned, the one who gives us confidence in our eternal life. That son of God, this is the confidence we have before Jesus, the son of God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Here, we are told that the Son of God hears us. He hears us if we ask according to his will. And some would say, well, well, but if it says according to his will, then that's speaking of the Father, not according to John 14. John 14 says, ask anything of me according to my will. And so you can ask Jesus according to Jesus' will, and Jesus hears you and gives you the petitions of which you've asked. Is that clear enough? I think there is a strong and compelling case that we can and should pray to Jesus. Because the verses are there that just open that door wide open for us. And in case that weren't enough, we have passages like Romans chapter 8, verse 26, which talks about the Spirit's role in our prayer. Now, I cannot find anywhere that says we should be praying to the Spirit in the name of Jesus and that the Spirit hears our prayers and gives us answers to those prayers. But it is interesting that he is shown to play a role in the prayer. Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what we should pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groaning. And he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So we've got the Spirit himself who's involved in our prayers going before the Father, and we've got angels involved. If you look back in Daniel chapter 10, over and over and over again, we're shown that the man of God, or these, these, these angels, these angelic beings, are part of the messages and deliverances that are given to prayers. Prayer, first of all, is not as simple as we make it out to be. And prayer is much more effective than we often make it out to be. And I think also prayer is something that is given to us as a comfort and a relationship builder between not just us and the Father, but us and all of the heavenly hosts. Now, I'm not in any way saying we need to pray to angels. I'm not even saying we should pray to the Spirit. But I think there's a strong case that we should be praying to the Father and to the Son. Because the scriptures are just there. Most of the verses about prayer really aren't specific about who, to whom we should be praying. They mention God in a generic way. It basically says pray to the Godhead, which itself is not a scriptural term, but you know what I mean. Pray to 
God generically, not specifically Father, Son, or Holy Spirit. Most of the time when it is specific, it mentions Father through the Spirit. But as we have already pointed out, there are plenty of places where it mentions prayers to Jesus. Excuse not, not Father through the Spirit, Father through the name of Jesus. And then there are those cases where it says praying to Jesus. I have a hard time making a, a strong case that you can only pray to the Father. And I really don't think that it is acceptable for us to say, well, I'm just going to pray to the Father because I think that's just the safest route to go. Really? When it says pray, approach the throne of mercy, and that throne is Jesus' mercy, you think it is safer to not speak to Jesus who sits on the throne of mercy when you need mercy? When it says, if you pray, ask me anything in my will, I will give it to you. Or if you pray anything in my will and I hear it, I will give it to you. You think it's safer to just leave that whole avenue of conversation with God out? I think we need to be careful with that. I think the Bible is a bit ambiguous on the issue because God's not drawing a line in the sand there that he doesn't want us to cross. God wants us to be in relationship with him. And that includes the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. That God desires that we talk to him and build a relationship with him and grow in our dependency on him. So I have to say, regardless of where you stand on this, I, you know, I, I, I might have enlighten somebody today, I, I, I never give myself that much credit. I might have confused people today, I can definitely give myself that much credit. I, I, I might have maybe clarified some things. I might have talked about something you've never even thought about. And that's okay. What I do want to point out is this, though. The whole dogmatic viewpoint, uh, this is the only way to understand it when it doesn't address all of these passages that we've talked about that open the door to the idea of us praying to Jesus. I think we need to be really careful about dogmatism. I, I think we need to be very careful about being so strong on an issue that the Bible's not strong on. Our goal should always be to treat people with charity, with love, with compassion, with understanding. Our goal should be able to approach people and realize there are going to be people who have a different understanding of things than I do. They might be wrong. I might be wrong. We might both be wrong. But we shouldn't be wrong in our attitudes. Because that is abundantly clear in Scripture. I could turn to so many verses, but I'll turn just to 1 Corinthians 13. In this chapter of love, we always call it, I love the first three verses. The three verses we skip over because we want to jump straight down into love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous. We, we like those verses. Those are the ones we cross-stitch and stick on a wall. 
But look at the first three verses. If I speak human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions and if I give over my body in order to, be, in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Gain nothing. If I'm right and everyone else is wrong and I've made sure to let them know that, it's done me no good. It's done them no good. And God is not glorified in that. Now, I'm not saying, okay, well, then that just means we just all need to disagree forever. No, remember at the beginning of the sermon, I said the goal is to be unified. It's always the goal. But conversation needs to be done in love, not with judgment and condemnation, not with, well, we just aren't going to let that boy ever lead prayer again because he prayed to Jesus. No. Our goal should be to love one another and be understanding and help one another. And you know what? I might go talk to that boy, and that boy might point out a verse to me that I've never thought about before, and I learn from him. That only happens if we approach these topics with love. That only happens if we truly love the will of God more than we love being right. And I think sometimes that's where our biggest battle is. It's in whether we are willing to be wrong for the sake of bringing glory to God. Now, it is my habit personally to pray to the Father. Not because that's the right way, but because it's been my way. Maybe I should open up a little bit. Maybe I, I've, I've lost out on what could be a really important and faith-building part of my life. Because why wouldn't if I could, why wouldn't I want to speak to Jesus? Why wouldn't I want to tell him thank you? Tell him I love you. Why wouldn't I want to go to the one who can sympathize with my weaknesses and proclaim and talk about my weaknesses? Why wouldn't I want to go to him and say, hey, I have messed up and that has caused you to hurt it doesn't just hurt the father, it hurts the son too. So I encourage you, grow in your relationship even with Jesus. I welcome conversation. Uh, if you've got verses to point out to me that will cause me to grow, please do. I, I, I think I've studied this thoroughly enough but to, to preach on it. I have been proven wrong many, many times before. But I tell you, all of this begins with having a relationship with Jesus that begins with confessing him. Remember, we talked about the Christians were told, call on the name of the Lord. That's what we want you to do today if you've not done that. 
if you've not announced to the world around you that Jesus is now Lord and I am merely a servant, that he has benefited me by washing away my sins and putting me into a kingdom that I couldn't get into on my own. He has, he has made life worth living, and he has made death worth experiencing because now I can go into heaven and join him one day. If you don't have that kind of confidence and excitement, it's because you don't have that relationship with Jesus. And we want you to have that. We want to walk you through repenting of a life without him, confessing him as Lord, being baptized to have your sins washed away so that you might join his kingdom and be one of the children of God with him. If you need the invitation to get your life right, it begins right there. Please let us know if we can help you. Come forward as we stand and sing this song. Thanks for listening and studying God's word with us. We want to help you draw closer to Jesus as your Lord. If you feel some need as a result of today's message, whether that be a need to seek God's salvation or you are just in the need of prayers, please reach out to us. You can find out more about us, including contact information at edwardslakechurch.org. If you want to continue to open God's word with us, please check out other sermons on our podcast or come visit with us at Edwards Lake Church anytime you can. Thanks again, and we pray God's blessings for you.